much to sing about, and we're grateful for how you lead us in doing so. James chapter 3, this morning we want to look just at the first two verses, but I'm going to go ahead and read down to verse uh, 12 of chapter 3, just to give us a fuller sense of the context here. This is God's word for us this morning, and here's what God says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. For if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, We guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the image, uh, in the likeness of God. For with the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Yet neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. You may be seated. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. There's no word like your word. Every single thing about your word is true. And Father, it is more than true. It, it does more than give out information that's true. It is living and active. It is powerful. We gather before your word this morning that your word might do its work in us. It, it, that it might perform that which it speaks and describes might transform us through your word this morning, thus we, that we might worship you in and through your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, we now begin a new unit in James. We're still in James, but it's a new unit of thought in James. It's a unit that begins in verse 1, and it will take us all the way over to the middle part of chapter 4. Uh, it's fairly easy to see that it's all one same unit because It begins and ends on the same subject matter, how we speak, how we talk, how we wag our tongues. 
And so that this unit begins here in chapter 3, talking about the tongue, and it completes itself over in uh, verse 12 or so in chapter 4, discussing uh, the use of the tongue. And, and in between, in a, such an, a, a fitting way, it talks about uh, issues that really uh, undergird the surface of the tongue. It talks about the function of our hearts and the need for wisdom to fill our hearts and thus control our tongues. But this morning we begin this unit that pretty much all is uh, revolving around the notion of our, our tongue. This is not the first thing that James has already said to us about the tongue. He said in chapter 1, verse 19, we should be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Or he said also in chapter 1, if any of you thinks he is religious uh, and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives himself, and that person's religion is worthless. But now he comes, while he's introduced or, or uh, touched on the matter of our speech or our tongue, uh, previously in this letter, he now comes to give a more fuller development. And it's just so apropos that James would touch on the matter of our tongue and how we speak, uh, because James is, is imminently concerned with the practicalities of Christianity. And how we use our tongue, how we talk to each other, is ever so relevant and pertinent to the functionality of our Christianity. Two things I want us to say this morning. Interesting enough, while this whole unit is really revolving around speech or the tongue, he doesn't, he, he doesn't bring up this matter in, in, a very, in the most direct way. He he actually brings up this matter in verse 1 of chapter 3 by, by talking about the office of teacher. Uh, I, I think that fits. Uh, James is certainly more right about anything than I am, uh, and yet at first you might think this is random, but when you see his logic and the development that he makes, we're like, oh yeah, I get it. Uh, he prefaces this unit on on the tongue by first addressing the office of teacher. And so that's really the first thing I wanted to note there from verse one in, 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 uh, in terms of the two points I want to make is I want to say a few things about the downside of teaching. And then when he explicitly gets to the matter of tongue and, or our speech in verse two, I want to say a few things by way of introduction to this larger unit about the difficulty of the tongue. First, the downside of teaching. Before James formally addresses the subject matter of tongue or our speech, uh, he says something pertinent to anyone who might be considering the office of teacher in a local church. Someone who might be considering an official role as a teacher in a local church. James is not trying to dissuade people from such an office or such a, a, a task. He's not trying to box people out of that, but he is 
injecting a sober note by way of introduction to the subject matter of our speech as it pertains to the office of teacher. He says, not many of you should become teachers. I know what you probably have thought before. Yeah, Joe, and and really he means one one less than you think. But uh, you'll get the joke later. But... um, is a danger of being a teacher. You 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 want to pretend like you're the uh, you're a co- co- comedian out of out of work. So, but but not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach. So he lumps himself into that. We 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 who teach, first person plural, uh, will be judged with greater strictness. So out of that first verse, there's there's two things I want to highlight. First, I want to maybe just say a few things about. What this, 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 this role of teacher that James speaks of. The, the, the office or role of teacher uh, is vital to the, a New Testament church. In fact, a church that does not value or, or um, uh, promote or practice uh, the Work of teaching is, is honestly something less than a church. In the book of Acts, the, the opening pages that we see of the early church, the, when, when the church began to assemble, the first thing that is stated that they practiced was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. A church is more than a teaching center, it's, it's more than a classroom. But it is never less. We can't like swap out. You know, we're kind of tired of teaching. Can we come up with something else to do around here? Well, not if we want to be a church. We can't. And within the, the, the functionalities and the, the, the programming, if you would, of a, a church uh, is uh, the office of Teacher, I, I say office of teacher. I, I think as, as the New Testament develops, James was one of the first books written in the New Testament, and it seems like I would suggest that there's a progression of clarification as to function and office in, in a New Testament church. And James, one of the first guys out of the blocks, he just describes uh, someone aspiring to be a teacher. Well, as the New Testament develops and expands, the Technically, the office of elder is, is the office that is given the assignment of teaching. An elder, uh, the only particular skill mentioned for an elder is he must be able to teach. I don't think that that means that only elders should be teachers in a local church. I think it would be uh, among the functionality of the authority of that church and the, and the, the work of the elders in leading that church to, to even, if you would, um, assign or, or uh, appoint others who, who might be uh, officially in the capacity of, of a teacher. Uh, and, and, and so I think James is probably des- describing when he says if anyone uh, wants to become a teacher... As he says, not many of you should become teachers. I think he's really describing something of an official office in the church or 
so in other words, an elder or someone officially recognized by the church um, and, uh, and therefore also in conjunction with the elders uh, to fill an official formal role or capacity of, of elder. I, I say that, and here's what I don't mean by that, because here's what I, I don't think the New Testament Christianity means by that. We, 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 we need to be careful not to filter that through our own cultural grid. For instance, what I mean by that is we live in a grid um, that likes to um, um, segment people. Uh, and one of the ways it likes to segment people is uh, there are experts and, and then there's know-nothings. And most of us, in, in all facet of life, it seems like it's increasingly become, are in the category of know-nothings. Uh, because they're the, there's the rarefied uh, experts, and they're the subject matter specialists. They're the ones that got to know. And, and, and we're the ones that have to then kind of you know, bow to them and, and recognize their ex- expertise. This is particularly evident in, in a couple of areas that seem to be always pressing in my own heart and mind in the area of education and in the area of social studies. These, these areas, which are very flimsy and very fluid in terms of uh, objective science to begin with, but these are the areas that really like to power up and, and call themselves, deputize themselves experts, as, a, as opposed to, and you're not. Okay. Um, and uh, so, and we, we live in a culture then that, that in, in terms of even understanding human behavior and understanding the, the educational process, uh, you know, rank and file folks like you and I, we got no business in that, in that area because um, you're going to hurt somebody, you know. Uh, so that even, I mean, even, even people like parents obviously don't have a clue as to how to instruct their children. We, we need to hand that off to the experts. Uh, I am not at all, I, 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 I go down that route, route just to say that, that is not at all uh, what the New Testament describes when it's talking about the, the office of teacher. Because interesting enough, while the New Testament does hold out an office of elder, which would, which would have the, the, the calling to be a teacher, as sure as the New Testament underscores that, the New Testament turns right around and says, while there is an office of teacher, there is also a very common function of teaching that is assigned to every believer in Jesus Christ. In other words, the New Testament knows nothing of rarefied error of expertisemanship. Uh, what the New Testament knows is that all believers are at ground level before the foot of the cross. All believers serve as priests before God. All believers, there's, there's, there's not these sharp, hard class distinctions between the expert and the know-nothings. No, there, there is an office, a calling that God puts on some people uh, to carry out the particular emphasized and um, have, have the, the, the time committed to uh, giving careful instruction in a local church. Uh, but while the office of teacher, guess what everyone else has been assigned to do as well? There's a whole host of what I call one another commands in the New Testament. And uh, lo and behold, 
some of those one another commands, in other words, these are just things that we're each to do for each other, uh, include this matter of teaching. For instance, in Colossians 3, we are, we're, we're told to teach and admonish each other, which is, which is the very two words that Paul uses in Colossians chapter 1 for himself. As an apostle, he was called to teach and admonish. And guess who else is called to teach and admonish? Everyone who names the name of Jesus. We're called, not an official, formal, I got me an office capacity, but in a capacity that nonetheless, the Spirit of God indwells us. We have the Word of God as well, and we are to teach and admonish one another. Well, there's a whole host of other terms. We're to, in 1 Thessalonians, we're to build up one another. We're to encourage one another. In Hebrews, we're to stimulate one another or stir up one another. Uh, in, in Thessalonians as well, we're to comfort one another. In Ephesians 4, we're to speak the truth to one another. And in in Romans 15, 14, we're to instruct one another. I point that out not to take away from an official office of elder or, or, and or teacher, but I point out to say, but that in no way insinuates kind of an expertisemanship that we see rampant in our culture today. Second thing I want to touch on from verse 1 is what is the significance of this statement, the, the sobering statement, not many of you should become teachers. And, and, and he says, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. I mean, why should we take up this gig of uh, teaching in the church? I don't know. Looks fun. Uh, I mean, how hard can that be? I mean, can you imagine having an audience uh, and being able to, like, talk to an audience? Cool, you know. Uh, I mean, there is, we, we, we could make this thing uh, all about power and about prestige and about position and about uh, prominence, but that's, that's not what the office of teacher is to be about at all. Being an, a teacher in the, in the church is not about creating your brand. Because the very humbling reality is, guess what? The message is greater than the messenger. But, but, see, but, but, but that's now the, how the human heart works. I mean, you, you, you give somebody a title, you give somebody a position, you, you establish some authority, and, it, and, and it, it becomes like a bad drug. You know, the, you, you, the, the, the power waffling from that, the, the, the prestige and the prominence uh, emanating from that, uh, it, and it, 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 gets, it gets heady. Uh, and, and, and James, I think, is trying to undercut such silly notions by just reminding them of the end game. So you want to be a teacher, huh? That's good. You want to build your brand, huh? You want to make a name for yourself, huh? You want to be a showboat, huh? Oh, well, here's the rest of the story. You're going to be judged. You're going to be held accountable. 
Oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I should go find something else to do. Maybe you should. Maybe you should. Now, I would suggest to you that when he says here that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, I don't think he's trying to suggest that there's two standards. There's the standard for teacher, and there's a standard for everybody else. In other words, um, teachers can't lie, steal, or cheat, but everyone else, we're good. No, the the Scripture doesn't have a two-tiered standard system. The Scripture just has an absolutely flawless standard of righteousness, and that's the standard. And so technically, he's not even talking to, to teachers. He's talking to people who might be thinking about jumping in that gig, trying that gig. Well, let me tell you, you know, the standard that's applicable to everybody, a teacher should understand and have a greater sensitivity of adherence to, respect for, submission to, acknowledgement of what that one standard is. It just stands to reason. It's just kind of like, you know, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the middle of the night and, and uh, Jesus begins to talk to him about the scripture and Nicodemus is like, huh? And Jesus says, you're a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? Sure. You, you ought to know this. You, you ought to know the standard and you ought, have a, you, ha, you ought to have a greater sensitivity to what that standard is. Secondly, a teacher ought to know that Not only should he have a greater sensitivity to that one standard, he should also know that violation of that one standard in the office of teacher has bigger consequences, brings greater harm. It spreads the mess farther and wider. It's it's wrong for any follower of Jesus to cheat on his spouse. Just wrong. You, you can't get there. You can't like figure this one out some other way. That's the one standard. And it's not as though a, a teacher has a different standard, but oh my, my, a teacher should be more cognizant of that standard, be more guarded in his heart to comply with that standard, and also understand the serious consequence of not only the mess he makes to his own life, but the life of all of those in in his sphere of influence as well. That's why it's most probable that when someone who is in the office of teacher in a local church does violate biblical standards, that while we certainly extend grace and we certainly acknowledge full forgiveness, a consequence of their rebellion against the standard may be loss of their office. We who teach. Now, I say that to say, that in a broader sense, and this is applicable, I just would point out an example in our own broader culture, and that is, you know, um, the higher up the food chain you go in, in many areas of life, it's not as though the standard is different, it's just that there, there ought to be 
uh, a greater sensitivity to maintain that standard because there is a greater mess made when that standard is breached. So, for instance, say you're the chief of police in a, a local municipality. And say you get it pulled over in O'Fallon uh, for uh, suspicion of drunken driving. That's just hypothetical. Or say you're the prosecuting attorney and you're down at the lake one weekend and you get pulled over for suspicion of uh, drunken driving. It's not as though police chiefs and prosecuting attorneys should have a, uh, a different level of drug, uh, of, of uh, alcohol content in their blood. It's just that you can't use your position to influence the outcome of that. A standard of justice ought to be maintained that's good for all people, all places, all time. In fact, it's that sort of distinct Christian teaching that makes the difference between corrupt nations and governments and helpful servant nations and governments. It's the influence of that sort of Christian standard that says, look, look, big boy, just because you got yourself a position doesn't mean you get a pass. In fact, the standard for you is the standard for everyone and more so, you who, who have prosecuted people by that standard, you, you should know the consequence of that standard and be willing to comply with the consequence of that standard. Is that too much like meddling? Just hypothetical. But, but here in the context, it, it, it's talking about teachers being judged with greater strictness in the context of, of setting up a conversation uh, about the tongue, about our speech. And, um, and that is so um, a flattening of a reality. Um, because um, what is the tool of the trade, if you would, of Someone in the office of teacher. The tongue. <laughs> uh, so, so the very thing necessary to carry out the, the task is, 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 the, is, is, the, is the really point of the overall conversation of what is going to unfold in this unit as it pertains to the, our speech and the use of our tongues is very humbling, but the more words you use in life, <laughs> the more errors you carry out in life. So it's, apt, it's very fitting that we're talking about someone whose who's, uh, orientation is calling is to, to speak. And so... Um, we get paid by the word. No, we don't. But uh, and just stands the reason that 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 then we who use our mouths more. Well, I mean, you won't believe this, but do you know who is the leading strikeout leader uh, in the history of Major League Baseball? Reggie Jackson, Mister October 
Uh, 14-time MVP, uh, winner of five World Series. Uh, They call him Mr. October because you know what? If you need a run driven in, if you need a home run in October during the World Series, you want the guy who leads the league in strikeouts to get up to bat. Well, no, because there's more to it than that, isn't it? Or do you you realize uh, who's number two? Number one is probably someone outside of our generation, but who's number two? And uh, most losses as a, a major league baseball manager, Tony Larusa. Of course, who's number two uh, in uh, most wins as a major league ma- uh, manager, Tony Larusa. Yeah, just like because you put it together, he's second overall in number of games managed as a major league baseball player. In other words, it's just just by the frequency of managing that many games. It just, well, in a similar way. More words just simply seem to result in more errors. The more comfortable that you are speaking in front of people, the more careless you could become in speaking before people. The more cutesy comedic that you try to be in speaking in front of people, the more harm you will probably end up inflicting on people. Some lessons are hard to learn. Um, The more expertise you think you have, uh, the more certainty you think you are about everything. Many of you know uh, Terry Crisp, um, and uh, when Terry Crisp is in a room, he is arguably the smartest guy in the room. And when he leaves the room, then Carl becomes that that person. But anyway, but but and, but and I, I don't mean it to, to, to it's one A one B. Anyway, so I don't want to create create a a, a, a rivalry between the two. Uh, but but you know one of the reasons why Terry Crisp is so brilliant is. Um, on numerous occasions, as he's been asked a question about the scriptures, he's said, I don't know. You see, the longer you're a teacher, it's harder to spit those words out because you want to like, you know, show your stuff. You want to impress the ladies or whatever. And so you're, you just... You don't, you don't admit, you know what, I, I, I've been at this for 35 years and I still don't have that one figured out. So see, so, so those are just some of the, the practicalities. If, if you, if you want to be a teacher, if that's God's calling on your life, then, then first of all, you can do that without an office whatsoever. But if you do elevate to the office, understand that there is a strictness of accountability before God himself. And then quickly, the difficulty of the tongue. The second point that I wish to make out of verse two. Um, and um, this is where, the, for the first time in this unit, the, uh, it's, it's implied, I think, in verse one, but where, where the tongue is specifically uh, referenced. Uh, and, and here, by this time, he's really not just picking on teachers um, he's really referring to his words about the tongue uh, to refer to, 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 that are just common to all men. 
So, uh, so you can't like ignore this part because you're not a teacher, you know. Um, no, what, what, he's, what he's brought this down to is really where he's heading, where he has been heading all along. This is, these words are not unique to teachers. They are universal to all. And the first thing he says is for uh, we all stumble in many ways. Now, I hope that your understanding of the Christian faith has uh, a category for that. In other words, if we were to have a raise of hands, how many Christians here this morning are subject to falling and stumbling? Then I I didn't ask for a raise of hands, but if I did ask for a raise of hands, um, don't make me come down there and raise your hand. All of our hands should shoot up. And, and in fact, for some of us, both hands and a couple of feet stick up as well. So just, you know, uh, all, the, all the digits are out and the hands are up. And uh, it's just, you know, sign me up. I'll take two. Um, in other words, there, there has to be something of an honest admission. If not only are we going to understand the Christian faith and journey, but also understand our life together in community with each other. In other words, we don't have to do church denying the obvious. That is, we all stumble. The, the, the imagery here of, of, of stumble is that, uh, is that we all encounter things that impede our progress. We all encounter things that slow us down we, because in route to our Christian maturity and destination, uh, we trip up along the way. Now, I walk through our subdivision every day. I try to get so many steps each day, uh, and, uh, and, 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 and yet sometimes I have to do that at night. So it's 10 or 11 o'clock at night, I'm walking through the subdivision. And uh, some people's sidewalks um, have uh, elevated sections to their sidewalks. And uh, now, I know they're there because I've, I've walked that same path a gazillion times, but sometimes I forget they're there. Uh, and uh, sometimes I, um, well, I hope no one's uh, Nest camera is, is catching me at that moment when I'm about to do a face plant in the neighborhood. So, and that, that would be the imagery here of stumbling. And yet I think we're maybe, honestly, in terms of a Christian view of stumbling, the reason we stumble is not simply because there's like a, an elevated section of the sidewalk, in other words, something outside of us, we have to understand that there are ample uh, causations for stumbling indigenous to us that are not external to us. Still within our own soul, there are causations of stumbling. So we all stumble. And then, and then, (laughs) and then, Notice, so you got to hang on to this. So how many of us stumble? We all stumble. And then notice where James goes next. And James just, I think, wants, to, wants us to live in the tension of what he's going to say next. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Furthermore, able to also bridle his whole body. In other words, uh, all of us stumble, but, but if you're able to not stumble in the use of your tongue, man, man, you, 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 you can just about control anything else with you. I think for most of us, 
if, um, if we do finally accept the fact, yeah, I think we all are in the category of stumble. Uh, the, but the next thing he says really um, freaks us out because he talks about a standard of perfection. And of course, I think he got this from his brother. His brother said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect, for your Father in heaven is perfect. I mean, the other, the other component of, I think, a balanced, healthy perspective of the Christian faith and journey is that we, we shouldn't wink and nod when it comes to the reaching for perfection. And I get it. I, on the one hand, I don't think he's saying that it's possible for us to be sinlessly perfect in this life. But I think he is suggesting that you and I who name the name of Jesus should be seeking to cultivate a singular devotion to one thing. One thing above every other thing. And that one thing above every other thing is that we love the Lord God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. That we are leaning into that one. That we are we are. We are chucking off that which would distract us and impede us from that one. We are are seeking to be all in, and we are earnestly pursuing those things that would cultivate such a singular devotion. Now, see, our culture, we say, well, you know, Joe, we we all stumble. I mean, James just told us that. And so I shouldn't really earnestly lean into seeking a true devotion to Jesus, because after all, I, well, I can't do that. On the other hand, we shouldn't so get fixated on seeking this singular devotion to Jesus that we don't know how to honestly say to one another, and I'm not currently doing a very good job of even getting my head around that one. Both things ought to be realities that are a part of the conversation of life together in a church. Our common assignment is to reach for a a, a perfection, a singular devotion to Jesus above everything else, and yet not not to such an extent that we then hide and pretend. Such an extent that we actually admit, I'm probably going to need your help because I've got the stumbling thing down. I just don't have like the singular devotion thing down very well right now. In particular, I need your help with my mouth. And that, and that sets the stage for where James is going next. He's going to provide us help because the standard is singular devotion to the Lord. The acknowledgement is And we don't really do well at that. So we need the teaching from God's word. We need the teaching from God's word, not just simply because it'll point out a few techniques here and there that might be helpful. We need the teaching of God's word because you know what? We need the grace that God's word gives to us 
to create in us the very thing that the word of God calls us to be and to do. In other words, we don't read the word of God because we're, this is our means to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and get it right and to feel self-righteous about that. No, we read God's word because we are empty. We are weak. We are powerless. We are devoid of the resources that we need to seek God with pure devotion. And so as hungry beggars, we gather together around the word as hungry beggars. We go home and read the word because we need the grace that the word dispenses. For the, grace dis- for the word dispenses grace by showing us Jesus, the one who laid down his life for us, the one who puts us into right relationship with God, the one who establishes a covenant whereby God's spirit now dwells all who trust in Jesus. So turn to Christ. Trust only in him. And that resets how we think about both perfection and stumbling. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for what your word says to us. We thank you for how your word is able to help us. And so as we embark on this unit concerning the tongue, our speech, Father, may we be convicted of our sin, and yet for those who are trusting in Jesus, may we be encouraged by the grace that you supply, the spirit that you impart that we would be a different kind of people and that that would show up even in how we talk. Help us. We pray this in Jesus' name.